All right, so we are back in Hebrews. As we said last time, we're going to continue in Hebrews. So you can go ahead and turn to Hebrews 7. That's where we'll be today. Uh, and we'll actually finish chapter 7. And a brief review of Hebrews, uh, again, to reset us and to remind us where we've been. But Hebrews is all about Jesus. And specifically, it's about this great salvation that we have in and through Jesus. But when we think about salvation, we want to think about salvation as Hebrews teaches salvation. And remember that salvation is this process. Okay? There's a beginning point of salvation. When Jesus rescues us from sin and self, and then we begin this process going to this ending point in glory at the right hand of the majesty on high. Okay? We begin, we end, but then life is through this process. And in this process of our salvation, there's ups, there's downs, there's difficulties, there's celebrations. But we are moving from this beginning point to this ending point through this process of salvation. So have that picture in mind. That's what we need to consider when we listen to the author of Hebrews. And all of that is through faith. We begin by faith in Jesus Christ. We finish by faith in Jesus Christ and we continue through the process by faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? Every point, every part of the process of salvation is through faith. If you do not have faith, you do not have salvation. Okay? You have faith, you have salvation. And we're in this process. But in this process, Hebrews communicates that we have Jesus, this great high priest. And he says he's a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And what that means is that he's both priest and king. He's unique in that way, that Jesus is both. He's both Savior and Lord in every part of salvation. In the beginning, the end, and through the process, He's Savior and Lord. But our preference, our tendency, is to focus on Him as Savior only. We like Savior. Savior begins us in this process and Savior will finish us in this process. But through the difficulty of life, with Jesus as Lord, that's difficult. That's hard. I'd rather focus on the beginning and look at the end and just try and make it through life. But through life, the author is saying we need to grow up. We need to grow up in this salvation. We need to move from Jesus as Savior only and that Jesus would be both Savior and Lord. Okay, Jesus is more than that. He's a priest-king in the order of Melchizedek. He's not just Savior only. He's Savior and King. And we need to grow up. We need to mature as we walk through our salvation. But through our salvation, Jesus is relational. He's a relational priest-king. He's present with us. He, he wants to be known. And He wants to know you. He wants to interact. He wants for you to depend on Him. He's present. 
He's there for relationship with us in the process. And so last week we looked at Melchizedek, this model, this representation of the kind of priest-king that Jesus is. Melchizedek was just a glimpse, just a, a little picture of Jesus, and then Jesus is the authentic, the real deal, the, the, the real king-priest. But as we looked at Melchizedek, it was this illustration, this idea of what Jesus is like. We found out that Jesus is representing us in righteousness before God. And He gives us peace from God, right? He's interacting both with God on our behalf and with us on God's behalf. And that through Jesus, this King Priest, we have been brought into the family. It's not a physical family, but a spiritual family. And now we, through this salvation, are sons and daughters in this spiritual family. A part of the family of the King. And Jesus has the power of an indestructible eternal life. He has walked through life. He has defeated the difficulties, the suffering, everything that we experience, He has experienced, and He has overcome death. He's overcome this physical life. He has power over it. And so as we go through this process with this priest-king, He can bring us through the process. He can bring us through anything in life. He's been there. He's done that. He's defeated death. He has an indestructible life. And lastly, Jesus is superior. He's better. He's superior. He's better. Our faith in Him through this process, it's secure. It's firm. We can depend on Him and depend on Him completely because He is a better way. He is the way. He is the better truth. He's the truth. He is what we depend on. He's superior. And so that's the Jesus that's with us in this process of salvation as we finish by faith. But learning all those things about Jesus, learning how He's like Melchizedek, okay? It's not just information that goes in our head and that expands our knowledge. It's something that understanding that about Jesus, then we would actually draw near to Him. He's present with us. He's all those characteristics. He's like Melchizedek, but He's the real thing. And so we're going to draw near to Him. That's the point of understanding more of Him. So this week, last week, did you draw near to Him? Did you draw near to this King Priest that is present with you, that is superior? Did you draw near to Him? And I don't mean at some point. I don't mean for some part of your week. But continuing. Did you continue to continue to draw near to Him? Are you living in relationship with this priest-king that's present with you? Why not? Why would we not do that? 
I just gave you all this description of Jesus that's with you. Why would we not draw near him? Why do we continue to struggle to continue with Jesus? It's a repeated thing in my life. It's a repeated thing in your life. As I have these questions, say, well, we're in this difficult place, we're in this difficult struggle. Well, are you spending time with Jesus? Are you with Him? Are you drawing near to Him? No, I'm struggling with that. Like, well, why would we do that? If life is so hard, if life is so difficult, why would we not then draw near to Jesus? What are we thinking? <coughs> but just like the original audience here, the author of Hebrews is writing to the church. And even now, we're thousands of years later, we're in a different culture, we're in a different time, but we struggle to draw near to Jesus and continue by faith. And I think it's because we don't understand. We don't understand this great salvation. We don't quite get it. We, we know that we have to live life in this process in the middle. Uh, we walk through, we, we look back at the beginning point, we look forward to the ending point, but yet we're stuck in this process. And this process is hard, and this process seems long, and this process is difficult. And I look back at how good it was, and I look forward to how good it's going to be, but what about now? What about in this moment? What about in the present? What are we supposed to do? How do we see the present? We have to walk through it. And so the rest of Hebrews 7, we'll see three things about this present process that I don't think we understand. Maybe we know it, but we don't believe it. So we're going to see these three things we don't understand, that we desperately need to understand so that we can continue in this process. Okay? So right now, we're not talking about the beginning point. We're not talking about the ending point. The author is talking about this process. And in this process of life, what do we not understand that we need to understand? We don't understand our present situation. That's first. Second, we don't understand our present need. And last, we don't understand His, Jesus' present ministry. So let's start with our present situation. Read verse 18 through 22. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. 
So realize here what the author is talking about are two different covenants, two different situations. One is the, the old covenant with the law, and the other is the new covenant with Jesus. And it goes on to say literally that on the one hand is this old covenant, our old situation, that is being set aside, it's being put down and set aside, and what's being introduced is this new situation, this new covenant. We got rid of the old covenant and the law. We brought in Jesus and this new situation that we have with Jesus. On one hand this, we're setting it aside. On the other hand this, we're introducing it. It's been brought forward. Now we're in a new situation. There was an exchange. There was a replacement. We go to Marshalls a lot. On Ben Owen. And what's great is you have 30 days to exchange. So I think sometimes my wife buys things. She knows she's not going to want to keep. So she can go back to exchange it. That's just a thought I have. don't know if that's true. But we exchange there a lot, or we return. Now, when you go with this item, if you bought this, this shirt, and the shirt does not fit, it does not work, I can't wear it out, it's useless to me, I bring it back with the tag, and I get a new one, a different size. When I take the old one back and get the new one, do they let me keep both? No. If I want... The new one, I have to give them back. The old one, I have to exchange it. And you give it to them behind the counter and they throw it in this bin. It's gone, it's been set aside. And I get this new shirt that fits perfectly and it's useful and that I can go out and wear. It serves a purpose. But I have to give up the old one to get the new one. That's the same thing that's being communicated here. The old situation, the old covenant with the law, we have to turn it in, we have to exchange it, we have to let it go, and then we get this new situation with Jesus. And it's been set aside, the old situation. And the law, the old situation, it says in the passage it was weak and useless. It was incompetent. It was inadequate. It made nothing perfect, it says. Literally, that means the law could not complete anything. The law could not finish anything. The law could not mature anything. The law could not begin us or bring us through this process. It was incapable. It was useless in that sense to bring us through salvation. It could not perfect us. But, on the other hand, that's that hand. We discarded that. We set that aside. It could not save us. There was no salvation in the law. And now, on the other hand, Jesus has been introduced. And on the other hand, Jesus, this new situation, it says He's a better hope. 
He is perfect. And He can bring us to completion. He can bring us to the finish. He can mature us to perfection. Everything that the law could not do, Jesus does. He will bring us to glory. And He can save anyone. He can save anyone who will follow Him by faith. So we let go of the old. We brought in the new. This is our new situation. And don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. He says, I make this promise. I give the oath. Look at the passage. This is an oath. And Jesus is the guarantee. So if you start to doubt what God has said, and then God has said, this is true. He's like, look at Jesus. He is my guarantee that this is your new situation. And your situation is not going to change. I set aside the law and the old situation. You have this new one and it's never, ever, 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 ever going to change. It's going to remain forever. Jesus is forever a priest and a king in this new situation, this new covenant. That was the situation then for the church that heard this letter. That's the situation for us now and that's the situation forever with Jesus. We went from what was conditional what we set aside to what's unconditional. And what I mean by that was the law and the old covenant it depended on us and on our obedience on what we did or what we didn't do. And then based on what we did or didn't do then either our life was full of blessing or our life was full of curse. Everything was connected and partially dependent on us. Our obedience led to blessing. Disobedience led to curse, led to suffering. Remember as we talked about uh, with the family and with singleness, right? If you were obedient to God, then you would be married and have children and a family. But if you were disobedient, you'd be cursed and be single. And we saw how that was the old situation, but even now with the family, the spiritual family, God has changed that. Jesus has changed that. We're in a new situation. It's the same here. Now we're in this new covenant. It's not conditional on us. It's unconditional. It depends on Jesus. It depends on His obedience. It depends on what He's done. It has nothing to do with us and our obedience or what we have done or have not done. His obedience is leading to our blessing. God has, has removed us. We're, we're not part of the condition. It's all about Jesus and He is secure and He is firm and we can hope on Him. We can trust in Him. It's not about us. And yet He brings us in. And you guys are like, I know this. I know this, Brit. I know there's no way that I can rescue myself. I'm in complete need. I'm a sinner that needs to be saved by grace. We know that. We know that about the beginning point of salvation. Brit, I know that. Up here, in heaven, in glory, 
I know that there's no way that I can stand before God and I'm going to be justified on my own. God's going to say, oh, let this one in. He's good. He's perfect. I know that. I, I need Jesus here. I need Jesus here. But what about the middle? What about the process? Do we believe that as we walk through life? I don't think we actually think we do. We may know that, but we don't live our lives that way. If we continue to be in need of Jesus. Because just like this audience, we get into the process and we prefer the old situation. We prefer the law. This law that he says is unable and useless to bring anyone through life to glory. It's unable to bring you through the process, but we return to the law. We have this freedom in Jesus Christ, and yet we return to the slavery of the law. This is us at the beginning. There's weight here. A significant amount of weight. Okay? Travis, will you come up? Alright, turn around. Now, did your face change when I put that on you? A little bit? It, I saw you we do this with your body. This is how we feel at this beginning point. There's all this weight, okay? There's no way that Travis can stand with this weight. We're focused on sin. We're focused on self. He's got to let go of this weight. So at the beginning point, Jesus comes. He rescues us. And we drop the weight. And Travis has freedom. His shoulders are high. He feels good at this beginning point. Right? If you know Jesus, you felt this. And you feel the light. Is The burden is gone. We've set it aside. But this is what we do. We're moving from sin and self. We're going to go to glory. We pick it back up. We pick that way back up. And I'm like, Travis, we got a long life ahead. we got to walk all the way to glory. And I want you to just go, go all the way. And suddenly, 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 it's just too much, right? And then Travis says, I can't do this anymore. And he just either stops or he throws it down and goes his own way. Okay. Have we picked it back up? What Christ took off? You guys experience this beginning point. You know the finish. You know what's coming. But do you pick that weight back up? Let me explain how we pick it back up. We try to continue under the law. 
Bajo la ley. Under this weight. Bajo este peso de la ley. We focus on what we do. En lo que and what we don't do. Y en lo que no we focus on the status of my life. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it comfortable? Is it difficult? We focus on those things and by focusing on those things we pick back up this weight. So instead of moving forward we go up and down. Up and down. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing awful. I'm doing awful. My life is wonderful. My life is wonderful. My life is so hard and difficult. We're up and we're down and we're left and we're riding all over the place because I've got this weight and I'm unstable and I just can't keep it up. I'm exhausted and I'm sick. Up and down, left and right. All the while, this burden is still on my shoulders that I thought was I let go of. We went to Six Flags a few weeks ago. Since Alvaro was with us last year, we I've been going to Six Flags with uh, my older kids. Nidia had not gone yet. If you guys know Nidia, she gets sick in the passenger seat of the van. You guys thought you understood why my wife drives everywhere we go? Okay, that's the reason. So, Nidia says, I'm going to go with you guys. I'm going to be together with the family, with the kids. We're going to go to Six Flags. We get there early. We run into the park. We go to Goliath. She's going to do it. She's going to go for it. Up and down and around and around. Nidia gets off the ride. How does she feel? Uh, I'm feeling kind of sick. I, I'm, I'm exhausted. I think, but, but, but I'm going to continue. But I'm going to continue. I can get past this. We go to the next ride, which was um, Twisted Colossus. I mean, we're, we're running to these next, right? There wasn't time to wait. The park just opened. We're going to get as many rides as possible before the crowds come. Most of the time, through Twisted Colossus, Neo's like this. We get off. She's done. She's literally sick. She's nauseous. She can't go any further. She, she, this, this look is not leaving her face. And what does she need to do? She's like, I've got to, I've got to just lay down. And she lays down under the shade. And she's on a bench. You guys go ahead. You guys go ahead. I'm just going to stay here. Okay? After that experience, she didn't ride any more rides. She's either like, I'm going, I'm not going forward. This is too much. I feel sick. I'm exhausted. Or we're going home. I had a similar experience backpacking for the first time in my life. My brother and I, I'm 20-something, feeling good. I get a 50-pound pack. We begin the Appalachian Trail. We're going to do four days. The Appalachian Trail is not very high, the altitude. But when you begin in North Georgia, it goes up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down for 15 miles. After 15 miles of up and down and up and down with 50 pounds on my back, that night I was cramping, that night I was vomiting, that night I got dehydrated, and I said, I am not going any further. Call mom and dad, tell them to drive up here and get us out. Now think about continuing by faith. 
If we pick up this weight, or if we go up and down and up and down with our performance, with how we're doing or how life is, you guys are going to get sick. You're going to be exhausted. You're either going to give up and stop, or you're going to go home. Forget this. It's too much. It's too hard. I can't do this. You can't do this. That's the point. You weren't made to do this. That's not the situation that you're in with Jesus. And so this morning, are you exhausted? Are you overwhelmed with life? Is it too much? Do you, are you at a place where you're like, oh, I feel sick, I can't go on any further? I just continue to ask myself why. Why would I turn back to that? Why would we understand that truth and then go back to it? And as Grace and I were talking, I don't think the lie that we believe is, I've got this God, I'm good, I'll make it to the finish. We think, God, I'm good for now, I'll call you when I need you. And when I need you, show up. But I'm good on my own until I say, um, help over here. We proclaim who He is, but we don't consistently continue to depend on Him. I'll just depend on you when I think I need you. And so I think that's the why. We don't understand our situation. And in that situation, we don't understand our need. Look at verse 26 through 28. It says, such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men in all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. We are in desperate need here, we're in desperate need here, and we're in desperate need throughout the process. You are in need. I am in need. All the time, we are in need. If you are walking through life, if you're walking through this, whether it's up, whether it's down, you're in need. And we don't believe that we're in need. But if we realize that we are in need, then we realize we have Jesus who meets our needs. I have these needs, and here's Jesus. He meets my needs perfectly. He's there for me, and yet I still won't turn to Him. I still won't draw to Him. It describes how He meets our needs here. It says He's holy. He has fulfilled the law with everything that he did and he didn't do. He's blameless. He's completely innocent and without guilt. Jesus is pure. He's never sinned and he never will. 
And he's been separated from sinners. And he's been joined with the majesty on high. He meets all our needs. Well, how is that my need? Let me ask you, are you holy? Is there anyone here that's perfectly holy? You can stand up, walk out the door. You don't need to hear this. If you're perfectly holy, we'll see you next time. No one? Alright, that's the first one. So you've got a need for holiness. Anyone here completely blameless, innocent, without guilt, you can be dismissed. Okay, so you need His holiness. You need to be blameless. Uh, anyone here, pure, perfectly pure, never sinned and never will. This is disappointing. Nobody? The last one. Okay, has anyone here been separated from sinners and joined with the majesty on high? Nobody. Jesus has. Jesus is. And we are in desperate need. You are in desperate need. We need a great high priest. We are needy, needy, needy people. If you don't think you are, that is pride. You are needy. As I was studying this, because I'm a Georgia boy, and they used to sing this at family reunions, it kept going through my mind, I need thee, I need thee, oh how I need thee. Right? I'll just read it to you, okay? It's better if I read. This song says, I need thee every hour. In joy or pain. Come quickly and abide. Or life is vain. I need thee, oh I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh bless me now my Savior. I come to thee. We don't believe that we need Him. If we believe we need Him, we would go to Him. We would draw near. Your life is need. We all come from different backgrounds. We're all in different situations. But your life is need. No matter what it feels like, your life is need. You are needy. Get over yourself and acknowledge that you're needy and then draw near to Him. What are you guys? What are you in? You're needy. Emmanuel, what are you? Chris, what are you? Gina, what are you? Needy. Anybody here not needy? Ismael? Are you needy? He's needy. Can we just be okay with that? We're needy. 
That's the truth about our situation. But Jesus meets our need. So lastly, verse 23 through 25. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. The situation is, you have Jesus. The situation is, you are in need. Okay? We know those things. We've heard those things. And I want you to listen now as we talk about this last part. Okay? Because this is, I think, what we really, really don't quite understand. This situation of Jesus' current ministry as we walk through this process. It's a ministry of intercession. An intercession, like salvation, is a process. We understand intercession, right? That's when the priest comes and stands between us and God, right? Because we need someone to represent us to God and God to us. We know that here. I'm broken. I'm helpless. I need to be rescued. I need someone to intercede. We know that here when we stand before God. There's no way I can stand before a holy God. I need someone to intercede. At both of those points, I need intercession. But also, through the process, we need this intercession as we walk through salvation. So let me explain the concept. In the Greek, this would have been understood. This would have been what they, what they understood, the original audience, as they heard these words. In their perspective, intercession had three parts. Intercession began where here's an individual and another individual comes to them and encounters them. Okay, so intercession begins at this point where one individual comes to another and encounters them. The second part of intercession is after they've encountered them, then they begin to have conversation with them, they begin to consult them, and they begin to help them. That's this middle process of intercession. Coming, encountering, and now that those two are together, we're going to interact, have a conversation. There's going to be consultation or direction. And there's going to be help. And after they've spent that time, literally it talks about an interview that's happening. They're getting to know each other. And after knowing, then the one that came is going to go with the other person before the king to make a plea. Not the person, but the person that came. After he came and encountered that individual, got to know that individual, talked with that individual, 
gave direction to that individual, helped that individual. Now, come with me and I'm going to stand before the king and plead on your behalf. Because I came to you, I know you, I know your situation, and now I'm going to take you to the king and we're going to plead your case. And I'm going to plead it, not you. Do you guys see how that same process of intercession is like this process of salvation? Jesus came from heaven to earth to encounter us. He interceded. He died on the cross for us. That's taken care of. That's done. That's this beginning point of His intercession. At the end, He is going to be there, not with us, but in front of us, interceding on our behalf, pleading for us, God, not them, look at me. And, and, and through this process, he is interceding. He continues to intercede. It says he lives to intercede. And as he intercedes, he has conversations with us. He gets to know us. We get to know Him. And that intercession through this process, He gives direction to us. In that process, He helps us. That's what the middle process looks like. It's relational. And through that process, He brings us to the ending point. He brings us to the finish. But we have to walk through the process. We have to have this conversation. We have to receive His instruction. We have to uh, receive His help. And that's how we put down the weight. That's how we don't pick it back up. We depend on Him. And through that, He will save us completely. Do any of you guys swim? Can every, who, if, if you can swim, most of us can swim? Okay. And then the next question is, can you swim laps? I thought I could swim laps until I went to try to swim laps. Okay? Just because you can swim in a pool doesn't mean you can swim laps. Okay? But I've been going to the Y. I see some of you there. You get in the pool. There's this lane in front of you, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to swim for 30 minutes, you know? This should be easy. I can swim. I've been running. I'm in decent shape. Before I begin, what do I do? Okay, imagine you're in the pool. How do you start? After you stretch. I'm ready. I'm stretched. I got my goggles on. I'm about to go under the water. What are you going to do right before you go under the water and start to swim? You take a deep breath. And then I go under the water and I'm swimming with the laps. Now when I'm finished, when I'm done, what am I going to do when I come out of the water? What? I'm going to breathe again. Okay? None of you can begin or can end without taking a deep breath. But as I began to try to start swimming laps, it is not about the breath you begin with. It's not about the breath you end with. It's about 
se trata de el proceso de tomar aire again and again and again and again you have to breathe through the process you take in breath after breath after breath after breath and if you go too far without taking in a breath what starts to happen my lungs are burning I feel like it's caving in I'm exhausted I can't keep going you have to learn how to breathe in the process I see people myself included boom, 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 boom. and you do that for a little while without breathing appropriately and you're like oh okay that's it and they just in the middle of the pool in the middle of the lap they just stop or some you see them and they just take off and the bam 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 they go for three or four minutes they get up and go back to the showers if you do not breathe through the process just like the breath you began with and the breath you end with you will not continue that's what intercession looks like if you do not talk with Jesus receive his instruction receive his help you will not keep going and that's what's available now he lives to do that he lives to know you to interact with you he is interviewing you now as you walk through this process he is available for help and you have to take that breath and receive it again and again and again and again if you don't you'll drown you'll stop you'll give up we have to come to him repeatedly draw near to him So those are the things we must understand in this process. We can't go back. We can't go back to the law, to measuring uh, what we do or don't do, or if our life is good or bad. Whatever your situation, Jesus is better. Don't go back there. Don't start measuring your performance or comparing yourself. Jesus is better. So continue. Jesus is there. You are in need. You are in desperate need. We are all needy. Acknowledge your need and know that Jesus meets it. And if you've got a need and Jesus meets it, then draw near to Him. Repeatedly. Again and again. Every hour, every day, consistently. I'm coming back to, I need you. I need you. Spend time with Him. Listen to Him. Read His Word. Pray to Him. Spend time with the body. Again and again and again. Get to know Him. Draw near to Him. He will bring us through. Without Him, you won't finish. He lives for this. He has an indestructible life. So to respond this morning, if the worship team wants to come up, we're going to sing um, In Christ Alone. As you listen to this song, you'll hear it talk about the beginning point, the ending point, and the process. It will describe all three of those and talk about in the beginning, as we start salvation, Christ alone.
In the end, when we finish salvation, Christ alone. Through this process, Christ alone. I want you to sit in your seats. I want you to listen and consider. Emily's going to sing through. The, we're going to play through this the first time. I want you just to consider that. At the end, it says, I find my strength. I find my hope. I find my help in Christ alone. Consider yourself in the process. And after we sing through the first time, if you are willing to stand, to stand alone in Jesus for your help, for your strength, for your hope, I'm not going to depend on me. I'm not going to depend partially on me. I'm going to depend on Christ alone. And I'm going to stand with Him. I stood with Him at the beginning. I'm going to stand with Him as we walk through this so I can stand with Him at the end. In Christ alone. So if you're willing to proclaim that, if you're willing to sing that, then at the second time around, we're going to stand and sing that together.